Chapter 6 of St. Joseph of Copertino. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Aaron Stone. St. Joseph of Copertino by Rev. Angelo Pastrovici. Translated by Rev. Francis S. Lang. Chapter 6 Evangelical Perfection. The love of our saint for the virtue of purity may be measured by his love for the mother most pure. He was not immune, as were some saints, from impure temptations, but rather severely molested by them. But the more vehement the temptations, the more glorious was the victory which he won by invoking the aid of God and the B.V. Mary. Nevertheless, he was so disquieted by doubts and fears that he was once heard to exclaim, Alas, my God! I know that thou hast made all things well, and that by thy grace I shall not sin in these temptations, but I would wish not to experience them. It was God's will, however, that he be not free from temptations, yet remain pure and unsullied. His confessors and many others have testified that they never remarked in him even a shadow of impurity, but rather found him wholly pure in body and soul so that his spirit appeared to them more angelic than human. In his love for purity, and in order to lead others to esteem it, he was wont to say that a pure soul was like a crystal vase, beautifully polished and filled with fresh, clear water, which everybody prizes in the time of heat. But only if a single drop of oil were poured in, the whole mass of water would become an object of disgust. With a like purpose, he admonished all by word and example, to flee every danger threatening this virtue. Only when obedience required it would he associate with persons of the other sex. He was wont to say, it is a dangerous thing to associate with women, who but harm him who wishes to belong to God. One must avoid them and associate with them only when obedience demands. God rewarded his spotless purity by granting him to the power to free those who were molested by temptations against chastity at times by the use of some object, at other times by mere words. A youth who was suffering from a very grievous temptation was freed on girding himself with the girdle of the saint. A Turk who had been recently converted to the Catholic faith complained to the saint of more vehement temptations than he had ever had before. Joseph replied that this was due to the fact that formerly his false religion had not forbidden impurity, and that the devil does not strive to secure control of what he already possesses. From that time on, the man felt freed from these temptations and confirmed in the Catholic faith. The most certain and miraculous evidence, however, of the saint's angelical purity was this, that he perceived a stench emanating from the bodies of incontinent persons, and that his own body exhaled an exceedingly pleasant odor which was noticed by others. On seeing a licentious person, he recognized him as such by this stench. Once he appeared restless and perplexed, and, on being asked what ailed him, replied that he had just spoken with a licentious person, who had filled his nose with such a stench that he could not remove it, not even by using snuff. To fill others with a horror of the vice of impurity, he was wont to say that the impure stank before God, before the angels and men. The best proof of Joseph's purity, said Cardinal Brancati, was given to all those who associated with him 
or only touched an object belonging to him for there emanated from him a most pleasant perfume which clung for a long time to all things he used even the rooms through which he passed long retained this unusual odour and to find the way he had gone it sufficed to follow this odour this perfume which he diffused was regarded by all as supernatural for it could be compared to no other perfume than that which emanated from a breviary of st clair preserved in assisi and that of the shrine in which the remains of st antony are laid to rest and which those who have perceived it have called a fragrance from paradise our saint excelled in religious poverty although religious are permitted the use of many articles of food and clothing yet he wished to be bereft not only of all superfluities but even of most necessaries of life his habit was ever the worst he could secure and under it he wore a rough undergarment which better deserved the name of a cillus than of a garment his small clothes were of rough linen he never dressed otherwise not even as a protection in the cold season and put on slippers only when he appeared in public if questioned on arriving at a monastery whether he had brought his clothes with him he replied that he had certainly done so referring to the clothes he wore in his last illness he consented to take two white handkerchiefs at the insistence of the surgeon but when he saw they were made of linen he said they are too fine and returned them taking in their stead others of coarser material his poverty in all other regards was of the same heroic mould he ate but once a day and then only a few herbs and vegetables seldom fish several times when commanded to do so he ate meat but as already mentioned his stomach always rejected it he ate alone in his cell lest his frequent ecstasies cause disturbance in the refectory and after meals insisted on the removal of even the smallest remnants of food the furniture of his cell consisted of a pradio two cane chairs a small table and several paper pictures of saints his bed was made up of several boards and a pallet of straw this uncomfortable and poor bed was so dear to him that once when he was commanded to use a mattress and linen sheets because of illness he could not bear this unwanted comfort but said he felt as if all his bones were crushed in order to satisfy him his superior allowed him to use his dear boards again the saint had a great aversion to money he always refused it and when importuned to take it for the benefit of the monastery would request the donors to bring it to the superior he loathed it so much that one day when several pious persons had secretly put a silver coin into his cow he began to breathe heavily and perspired as if he bore a great weight and finally exclaimed i can bear it no longer not until the money had been removed was he again at ease for the rest he esteemed himself rich and with joyful countenance would say that he had nothing but god provided him with all things he looked upon god as the source of all good and frequently repeated the words of his seraphic father my god and my all when on his deathbed he was asked to make the customary renunciation and to give a list of all the things he had in use he could say to his superior father guardian i would gladly make the renunciation but i have nothing to renounce it may be said of our saint that he was wholly subject to his superiors he frequently said he would rather die than disobey he revered his superior as if he were saint francis himself and would not see any defect in him in order that he might not find even a shadow of a reason to disobey 
To each superior he disclosed his manner of life and stated his readiness to change it if so directed. He did not wish to do aught without the merit of obedience, so that without the consent of the lay brother, his companion, he would not even open or close the window of his cell. One day, while extreme unction was being administered to Father Caravaggio, his confessor, he was very sick and given up by the doctors. Joseph was enraptured and lifted up over the bed of the sick priest. On returning to himself, he wished to go back to his cell, but on hearing his superior command him to stay, he remained immovable at the place where he stood, not daring to take a step till the superior had given him permission. If commanded to do so, he ate meat, left his cell, spoke to persons, allowed his feet to be kissed, gave to his admirers any object he was using, although he had a great aversion to whatever redounded his own honor and praise. Once his superior commanded him to eat a confection, and he ate it quickly. When asked by a religious how it had tasted, since he was accustomed to fast on bread and water, he quietly replied, I merely obeyed. At another time the father general commanded a religious to take away Joseph's old habit in order to give it to the princess of Savoy, who had a great devotion toward the saint, and had provided a new habit for him. At first Joseph, not knowing of the command of his superior, objected, but as soon as he learned of it he quickly took off his cow and habit, saying, If obedience requires it, I am satisfied that you take not only my habit, but also my skin and flesh. On another occasion he said, If commanded to do so, I would not fear to enter a fiery furnace, and would trust to be preserved uninjured because of the merit of obedience. To induce others to love and practice obedience, he extolled its merits and called it a knife that kills the will of man and sacrifices it to God, a carriage that conveys a man comfortably to heaven, a little dog that leads the blind. O oh, holy obedience, he often exclaimed, God himself esteems thee. When enraptured, neither blows nor the application of fire could recall him to his senses, but if obedience called, he returned forthwith. On being asked one day to explain this, he replied that he did not bear the voice of his superior when enraptured, but because God loved obedience so well, and desired that he should obey without delay. He made the vision disappear at once. We have already recorded the words of the saint, that God drew aside a veil before the enraptured soul and showed it, as in a gallery, many beautiful and ineffable objects. Referring to this comparison, he added that at the word of the obedience, the Lord again drew the veil and left the soul free to its duties. The merit of his obedience was so great that by it he obtained the power to terrify the devil and subject even irrational animals to his will. When, at the behest of his superior, he exercised persons possessed by evil spirits, he would command Satan to depart from their bodies by saying, out of obedience I have come, therefore you must depart. At times, after praying the litany of the Blessed Virgin, he would gently say, I have come not to derive you from this body, but only to obey. If, therefore, you wish to leave, do so. But if not, do as you like. For me it is sufficient to have obeyed. In this manner he confounded the proud spirit and forced him to leave his victim. Yet another means Joseph employed. During the exorcism of a possessed woman, 
the devil struck him a terrific blow in the face. The saint was not alarmed, but, kneeling down, drew forth the written command of his superior, gave it to the possessive person, and said, Here, take it, O holy obedience. He then prayed the litany of Our Lady, and the devil, unable to bear his childlike obedience, departed at once. It was amazing with what alacrity irrational animals did the saint's bidding. A linnet, to which he often said, Praise God, would praise the Lord or cease to do so at his command. Once, on setting free a goldfinch, he said to it, Go, enjoy what God has given thee. As for me, I require nothing more of thee than that thou return when I call thee to praise with me thy God and mine. Obedient to these words, the bird flew about in the garden nearby, and, when Joseph called it, straightway came to praise the Creator. A hawk once killed a finch, which the saint had trained to say, Jesus and Mary, Friar Joseph, pray your breviary. The hawk returned at the saint's command, and, when he reproached it, saying, Thou, thief, hast killed my finch, and deservest that I should kill thee. It remained perched on the cage as if sorry for its misdeed, allowed Joseph to strike it with his hand, and only flew away when he said, Now go, this time I will pardon thee, but do not do such a thing again. A ram, which had gone mad because bitten by mad dogs, was confined in a garden so as to harm nobody. The servant of God, accidentally coming to the place, was warned to beware of the animal. With a smile he replied that he trusted in God. He then turned to the ram, stroked it, and said, Foolish one, what dost thou hear? Return to thy flock. On being freed, it hastened back to its flock, well and tame. To the nuns of St. Clair at Copertino, the saint presented a white lamb to watch over the discipline of the community. The lamb was always first in all exercises, abstemious, quiet in the chapel, and ever alert to wake the sleepy by butting and jostling, or to remove with hooves and teeth any vain finery which it observed. When the lamb had died, the saint promised to send the nuns a bird, which should prompt them to love God, and thus it came to pass. One day, as the nuns were reciting the divine office, a forest songster perched on the window of the choir and sang most sweetly. And thus, day by day, the merry warble of the feathered songster accompanied and encouraged the chanting of the nuns, until one day it saw two novices quarreling, and flew between them in an endeavor to part them with its outspread wings and tiny claws. One of the novices struck the bird, and it flew away and did not return, though it had been with the community for five years. The nuns were grieved because of this, and complained to Joseph, but he said, It serves you right. Why did you provoke it and chase it away? It is unwilling to come again. But, at their urgent request, he promised to send the bird again. At the first summons to choir, the bird not only came to the window and sang, but, grown more tame than before, flew into the monastery. The nuns tied a small bell to its foot. When it failed to appear on Holy Thursday and Good Friday, they again had to recourse to Joseph, who replied to them, I sent you the bird that it should sing, not that it should ring a bell. It has stayed away because during these days it has guarded the holy sepulchre. I will see that it comes back again. 
and the bird returned and remained a long time with the pious nuns. The saint commanded two hares near the convent at Gortella, saying, Go not too far from the church of Our Lady, for there are many hunters lying in wait for you. They obeyed and profited by their obedience, for when the hunters pursued the one, it fled into the church and thence into the monastery, where it leaped into the arms of Joseph. The saint said to it, Did I not tell you not to go too far from the church, lest it cost you your skin? The saint protected the hare from the hunters. The other rabbit, which was chased by dogs and concealed itself beneath Joseph's habit, had a like good fortune. When the Marquis of Corpertino, who had arranged the hunt, came up and asked the saint whether he had seen the rabbit, he replied, See, here it is, but do it no harm. The saint then said to the animal, Go, jump into those bushes, and remain there without moving. The hare obeyed, and the dogs did not pursue it, to the great amazement of the Marquis and his whole party. End of chapter 6